right. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 90. 90. And this one is auspicious. You know why this one's auspicious? Not for the reasons that the last one was. Uh, I don't know why the last one would have been auspicious. I, I, I Tell me know. more, Scott. But this one, <laughs> <laughs> if, if only you could have seen uh, Ollie put his put his fist under his chin and lean into the camera in that sort of boyish way. It would have just made that moment. Um, well, this one is special because this is the first post semester show that we're doing. So we're oh. actually, we're actually in quote unquote summer. Right. We yeah. are. Although if somebody's listening to this two years from now, then it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't well, matter. The, well, the only reason it matters is we might be a little, uh, a little, uh, lighter in our tone today because we're feeling a little less of the, yeah. the our grades are posted yeah. and all that. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, I'm Ollie and that's Scott. And oh, right. Is, yeah. yeah. And the science in between and yep, we're here. We do so stuff. We, we talk do about stuff. stuff. We talk about stuff and science education and other stuff and, you know, sometimes technology and sometimes, sometimes. joys and other things. And yeah. there we yeah. are. All right. There we are. Thanks. Okay. That's the show. Uh, so, Thanks for stopping go. by. Yeah. Catch you next um, time. Yeah. In between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. You, can't, you can't do the tagline oh. in the middle. Then the show I, has to end. All right. Oh, gosh. All right. Let's restart. Hey, welcome okay. back. Welcome, welcome back. Yeah. I'm Scott and that's Ollie. Uh, yeah. And um, that's Scott and I'm and, Ollie. Yeah. And both of those things are true or all yeah. four of those things. I guess yes. it would be all four of those things. So uh, if you've made it this far and haven't <laughs> shut us off. <laughs> and haven't gouged your eyes out with a spoon. Uh, we do actually talk about stuff on the show. And, and we're talking about something today. We are. And that's and, something was recommended by a friend. A friend, a of, the friend of the show. Yeah. A, re- uh, a recent friend of the show, at least yes. from my point of view, but maybe. She's, she's been a real friend of mine for a while. Yeah. Um, Kim McCullum Clark, who is a, a colleague of mine at uh, Millersville University. And so we met up with her just recently. We actually had a face to face meeting as a, uh, you know, with, with some colleagues. It was great. Nutty. Nutty. It was awesome. And uh, one of the things we were talking about with, uh, with her was about uh, the show and talking about the podcast. And she was saying that she would really like us to talk about wonder right. and curiosity and, yeah. how, and how we do that in science, because that's one of the things that she tries to foster in her English classes at the university. And she's an English teacher educator. So she's teaching English teachers to be English teachers. And, uh, and so she's like a real joy and a real gem at the university and uh, somebody who she she's from the South. So she always has this really thick Southern accent, which is awesome. And um, she bless her heart, you know, (laughs) and a hard teacher. She calls them teacher babies, my teacher babies. And so yeah, she is. She's awesome. So uh, the, 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 conversation around curiosity and wonder and how we do that in, in science and how we do it. Um, because I think that, you know, coming back to like way back early in the show, when we talked about the death March with fun sauce, you know, I think the fun sauce is the, this is not the way to do, you know, curiosity and wonder. It's not like, Hey, we got this really cool. That's not where the death March is going. It's not going to curiosity land. No, it is not. It is not. Or, or, or wonder land. Oh, 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 yeah. It is going someplace okay, very Alice. different. I know. Yes, <sighs> it is. It is going someplace very different. And that's the, and that's the, the challenge. And I would say that, you know, you and I uh, were trained to be teachers in a different era um, where, 
you know, we were schooled, at least I know I was schooled in the, the Madeline Hunter days where, you know, every single unit plan or every single lesson plan was supposed to have some sort of anticipatory set. Oh, God. I, know. I actually use that word with my students. Like I would call, instead of calling it like bell ringer or opener or whatever, I called it anticipatory set when my, my, during my student teaching, because I took, right. cause at that point you take everything literally and you're like, right. Oh, so I have to call it an anticipatory set. Can you imagine like telling seventh grade science students, okay, we're going to start with our anticipatory set for the day. Yes. <laughs> like, what is this guy Can we get rid of him? Yeah. It's like, let's show this guy the door. You wow. Know? I, I fell asleep halfway through that phrase, much less actually. Oh, and it's like, and, and the thing is, is, I I don't like this. It's such a, it's such an awkward term, right? It's yeah. like this, the, the, the thing, the set, right? That yeah. you're, you're that setting you're, it up. I think you're, how- it's, you're performing to create some sort of anticipation, right? Mm, yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh. And, and, and I, I, I get, you know, that, and uh, over the course of, you know, a teacher's development there, they switch from being a performance. And at least this is the way I guess it should go is like mm-hmm. it being a performance to being more of a facilitation. At least that's the hope, at least to yeah, me. Right? right. No, no, that's totally the hope. I think whether that's the natural flight path for most teachers, I think actually it's the reverse that you get more sort of calcified in your performance over time and you, you end up being very, um, not for everybody, not for everybody. I mean, no, no, but I don't think that that what I'm saying is I don't think there's a natural trajectory from being this, the, the performer to being a, more of a facilitator. And in many respects, I think that's one of the challenges about this kind of teaching is because it runs against, in some cases, teachers, natural, um, I don't know, dispositions or, or abilities in that a lot of people get into teaching because they think they're good at explaining things to other people. Right. And or so that's what or they, they like that performance. They like yeah, to be, or they the like the performance part, right? right. They like that, to be the, the, the center of attention, so to speak. And that they're the vehicle for creating wonder or creating curiosity. Yeah. And maybe there, it can be, but I mean, mm. maybe through questioning and maybe, but that I don't, or maybe through like in, in, you know, this was the, I, I get, we've talked about this before, but like one of the big anticipatory sets that, you know, we were, I was schooled on was discrepant events. Yeah. It's, it's like events that you would, you know, w- would do as a demonstration in front of your students that were not predictable. They, you know, counterintuitive and, and so counterintuitive. And because of, because of that, that would create this, you know, curiosity. Um, but I think that you and I are, you know, friend of the show, John Dewey, we're more into the, like the perplexity Mm -hmm. realm is how do we create some sort of positive confusion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, uh, um, and I think, you know, in a, in a traditional form of teaching, you can have aha, your kids can have aha moments, right? If they're in the right position, if they're thinking to themselves in, 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 in a way, um, and discrepant events can create that sort of aha moment. But I think that's, I think it's worth differentiating between an aha moment, which, you know, it says in the title is a moment versus curiosity, perplexity, wonder, which you want as ongoing forms right. of feeling, right? Like you don't want to, you, when you operate your whole system around aha moments, which is really essentially what discrepant events was designed to do this this it, it, the cognitive model that it's built on 
It was built on this, you know, this idea of like paradigmatic transformation of your conceptual understanding, right? This giant conceptual change that's an that's not just accommodation of new information, but it's a transformation of that concept in some aha way where the students are like, oh my gosh, actually, I'll finally understand this. That is a very different way to think about what you're trying to accomplish in the science classroom than if, you're, if you say, what I'm trying to do is create an environment where kids are curious and where they're wondering, right? Is that, so I think what we're talking about today is like, what's the difference between designing for an aha moment or, um, or something like that, where you're just trying to get the kid and because the aha moment really only is the teacher's explanation makes sense to the kid. It's not the kid's explanation makes sense to themselves because the kid's not explaining anything. The kid is listening to the the teacher speak, right. Or demonstrate or whatever. So they have their aha moment, but it's, but it's usually there because the teacher is explaining it and they're like, Oh, and, and I think the other thing to think about with those moments is sometimes they're deceptive. Right. And this happens to people all the time where somebody right. explains something to you and you, you're like, Oh yeah, I totally get that. And then five minutes later, you can ask, ask that person to explain it to somebody else. And they're like, actually, I really don't understand. Yeah. Um, or, so or you deceptive. change the situation just a little bit. Yeah. And then it, and then you're saying, okay, well, using your understanding, explain how this happens. Yeah. And then there's just like, uh, is this the same thing? And, yeah. And, Not the and same it thing. is right. Yeah. And from there, they're like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And, and so I think that's the, that's the power of, you know, curiosity. It's also the power of explanation, using explanation to drive, you know, assessment, driving, you know, figuring out what students have learned. So right. I, I think the one thing that we have to consider as we build for student curiosity and student wonder is putting that at the center of the planning process, because mm-hmm. we can't like think about, you know, I mean, the curriculum is, you know, the curriculum, we, we think about the, the, the things, you know, that we want to teach in science and all that, but, you know, a lot of it is so far removed from their kids' lives that it's hard to get them like, excited about something that is, you know, isn't part of their world. So it's got to be something that, you know, at least is is something they have interest in or something that has value to them. Yeah, I think, yes, I agree. But I also also think that can sometimes be a trap. um, Because, because the reality is that, you know, you're not going to find a thing that every kid in class is inherently interested in, right? Like if you do, if you do a unit where you explore the science of Harry Potter, there's a bunch of kids who are going to love that. And there, there are some kids in the class who are going to hate that. So, and I'm not saying that's a good example, but I'm just saying th- those are the kinds of things that are often used like, oh, we're going to do this really, really cool thing. And everybody's going to be really interested in it. I mean, I think that the, the tougher question is how do you create, how do you design a classroom community where wonder and curiosity are, are, are ever present. Right. And you can't, it's not always going to be present for every kid all the time. That's just not, that's not a reasonable goal. But the question is, how do you, how do you maximize for that? How do you, I don't know if optimize is an engineering term that I'm not sure I want to apply to this, but, but this idea of like, I want to create an environment where, you know, like the, the phenomenon that we talk about using are not complicated, like, like mind blowing in and of themselves. But what's mind blowing about them is when you really try and explain them and understand what's going on, they get complicated and and interestingly complex very quickly. And that's what you're looking for um, in a science classroom is something that 
you know, superficially, like uh, an example I've used on the show before is like burning sugar, right? Like this seems like a really simple thing, but you can, you know, uh, you can run a four or five week unit in a, in a science classroom where kids really understand the, the, uh, the model of the atom based on something as simple as burning sugar. So it, you know, it's really, uh, but, but the only way that, that can be supported is if the environment that you're working in creates a space where kids are wondering and, and, and curious about what's going on. So this, this, this is a, this is that, you know, and, and you mentioned a uh, friend of the show, John Dewey's idea of perplexity, which is one of my favorite notions, right? Which is yeah. like the, the sense of, I don't understand, but I want to understand. And that he said is where all good learning happens is when kids are, or people are in that state, the state of, I don't understand, but I want to understand. And cause, cause where we mostly are in, in schools is I don't understand. and I don't care to understand. Right. I mean, I'll do it. I'll write stuff down for you because I have to, but I don't really want to understand this thing. Well, I think that a couple things to me stand out is, well, first off, I want, I want, I think the perplexity thing was one of our first publications together, you, me and Brett, and I think Jason yeah. was on that too. Um, a book chapter, you know, years ago, this is probably yeah. like 15 An years SDA ago. SDA book, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think that there's two, uh, two things that I think stand out to me um, when we talk about perplexity and, and, and planning for wonder and planning for curiosity is that one, this is something you have to design for. You have to be intentional about. This is right. something that doesn't, you know, you just don't walk in and say, all right, hey, let's do this. Because, you know, for it to be something that is like, that fosters that curiosity and then leads to some sort of explanation that is deep and and important, that it's got to be something that is designed and scaffolded and thoughtful and intentional. And that is not something that's going to happen by chance. Um, and so having some sort of thought process that is you know, intentional, but flexible, right? Yeah. Because you want to have it be something that is responsive to the students as they're, you know, discovering and as they're wondering and as they're being curious. So you want to be able to, I, I hate this term because it's overused, pivot, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. you want to be able to, you know, change course as students, but with the, the idea that there's some sort of intentionality to your planning to be able to help guide students through this process, um, the, I think the, the other part about it is our position as teachers in the classroom and that what we have to be is models of that and that when we, we're going to be asked questions in which we don't know mm -hmm. and um, how we approach those questions is really important. Mm -hmm. if, we, if we are asked questions that we don't know and we go, well, let's go to the big book of science. Or let's look it up on Google. Let's look it up on Google what we're, we're teaching something about science that like that, that decision. And that's a decision mm -hmm. when we do that and we're modeling something to students about uh, how we approach curiosity and wonder is that yep. what we're looking for is the right answer that the yep. right answer exists. Yep. And know? it even happens when, and this is a, especially with beginning teachers, I see this, uh, but I see it with experienced teachers too, is the idea of like, Oh, I'll, I'll have an answer for you tomorrow on that. It's like, I'll, f so instead of turning that into an opportunity to, to open up some, some space to talk about something, it becomes, Oh, 
thanks for your interesting question. I'll tell you the answer tomorrow because I don't know it off the top of my head, but by tomorrow I'll have looked it up and have an answer for you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, that's awful. And what that brings me to, too, is going back to this, you know, reminding when you brought up Madeline Hunter again, the other end of the anticipatory set is the closures thing. And I think this is a thing that really, um, if we're going to talk about wonder and curiosity, the last thing we want is closure. And, and this is a thing that I think, you know, pre-service teachers in particular struggle with is like, well, what if they leave class without the right answer? And it's like, yeah, well, that's happening no matter what you do. So if you imagine that just telling them at the end of class is going to get them to leave with the right answer, you don't understand the way that learning works. So the, the issue is that when you tell them the right answer, what, what that does or quote unquote right answer at the end of class, when you bring closure in some way like that, is you stop them thinking about it, which stops them wondering, which stops their curiosity, which stops the things that you're trying to facilitate and, and engender in your environment. So this idea of closure, I think, is particularly, I don't know if toxic is too strong a word, but, but it's, too, it, it's something that we need to actually actively avoid. Like the end of class should not be closure. They should leave with more questions than right. they came in with. Um, not leave and coming to class answers. and coming to class, you know, the next day going, Hey, you know, let's, let's jump in. We're excited, you know, right. and that's the, that's the power of perplexity. And yeah. I was talking to my family at the dinner table about this. Right. And that's my, always the best thing. My right? dad is, had this idea or my mom had right. this idea or my little sister had this idea or whatever. And I was like, yes, that's what we want. Those were the best. Like when you find out you were the topic of, of dinnertime conversation that, I mean, that's I don't even know if that's the a, aha moment. Is that, is that still a thing? Do people still have dinnertime conversations? I know we do at the house, but yes, you know, we I don't know. But we're old and we enforce that sort of stuff. We right? do. So yeah. Well, I grew up in a house where like missing family dinner was like, you didn't do that. Verboten. Like that was, it was no. not something that, but that's, you know, old school Italian right there. My dad yeah. was like, why aren't you going to be at dinner tonight? Oh, dad, I have this thing. Well, you know, no. so, but like, I think, I think it still happens with dinnertime conversations. And those were always the, whenever I would hear that it was a topic of conversation. And, and honestly, now when I'm working with teachers, when I find out that I was like, that I was a topic of, you know, Hey, we talked about your, you know, this thing at, you know, in the lunchroom today, or that's, that's the joy now. when I Mm -hmm. find out that I've, you know, been a topic or something we've been doing in class as a topic of conversation, you know, in, yeah. in the in the lunchroom, that's awesome. You know, yeah, that is, that's, that's right. awesome stuff. But that's a but that's a fundamental um, outcome of this idea of not coming to closure. So this so so you know going back to so many things we can connect to, like science instruction should ha- have a long arc. It should not be uh, every lesson stands alone by itself. Every lesson is just a period of time under a much larger umbrella of an exploration, right? And so every day shouldn't close down and close, right? That's that's the worst thing that, that can happen because we want to keep kids thinking and, and curious and coming back the next day saying, you know, here's something that, you know, I was on the playground and I was wondering about this part and how that that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Well, that's what you want. Like if, if they, if they think the answers are there in the book, you know, the golden book of answers or the Google or, or the glossary, go back to the back, the answers, yeah, at the back or the of the answers. Book. Yeah. The answers for the problem set are always in the yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, so, just the odds, just the odds though. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause the even, yeah. And the evens are always the hardest problems. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they give you the odds. It seems right. unfair. Like, yeah. come on. Give me, give me the evens. <laughs> 
<laughs> and who picked Forgot. the odds? Who decided the know. odds were that? I mean, come on. I don't know. Because I, I don't know. Maybe because I was going to say it seems odd, but oh, that sounds like something that I would you say. would say. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> I am. Help, I am. Rub- help! I'm, we need to I'm, escape this I'm, vortex of weirdness. <laughs> I am rubbing off on you, my friend. Oh God! It is awesome. <laughs> it's like a fungus. <laughs> is there a treatment for this doctor no 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 there's not just lean in embrace it oh, i made a pun today doctor is there some sort of vaccination i can get for that no no i'm sorry here's, here's your here's your gold star there is no cure <laughs> all right so wonder 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 so I wonder curiosity so okay so we have a couple things that we've unpacked here is that one you know there it requires some you know intentionality some you know some design some but also some flexibility too yeah that if we're going to do this that you have to be some you know you have to we also have to be you know thoughtful of of our, who the students are the students that we're working with you know and some of their maybe some of their interests but also um but that has some limitations too. And, and that we as teachers model some of that behavior, some of how they themselves are curious. And if we're, we're saying, hey, we're going to go Google this, yeah. let's Google this or let's look it up in the book. Or I mean, there, there are, I mean, if they're fact-based question, like how much does the earth weigh or how, you know, those are, but those aren't yeah. the questions that people should be curious about, right? No, they're, they're not generative, those kinds of questions, right? That's, right. Th- those kinds of questions are, are terminal, not generative. Right. So yeah. Okay. We know, but how do we determine the mass of the earth? Like, okay, that's an interesting question. Right. Right. Like you can't put it on a scale, you know, it's not, we're not uh who's the Greek person who could move the earth with the Archimedes. Was that the one who could move the earth with a long enough lever and a fulcrum? I don't know where you put the fulcrum, man. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, 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 when you talk, I feel like, I feel like we should know the answer to that. That feels like a, a science nerd sort of thing that we should know. Yeah, when you talk like you know Greek history or Greek mythology, that stuff is outside of my. Is that just because you're Italian and you're more Roman oriented, or is no, it? No, I don't know okay. the I don't know the Roman you know gods either. You know, I don't. Yeah, those were just never things that some people gravitate to. That and growing up, I was not that guy. You know, I was off reading my comic books. <sighs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no long Archimedes. Yeah, it was Archimedes. Look at you. All right. <laughs> See, I come up with it once in a while. Give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. That's really, uh, it. in many respects, it's a really stupid quote, but we it's oft repeated. Because, yeah. like, where are you going to put the fulcrum, man? I mean, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to be an Archimedes hater, but like, yeah. come on, you and put, where, you put it on the moon, like, yeah, and, and then, I, yeah, and what's that? Mean, and what's the lever made of? Yeah, that's a good question. Because it's it, to be long enough to move the Earth. Imagine what it would have to be made of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that. I, so I, I think, are you wondering about something, Ali? No, I'm. I'm just thinking. How did that quote make it through history? Like, come know. on. No one questioned that. No one said. No, come this, on. You know. You know. Come on, dude. When you shed some light on this this quote, it is it's worthless. Archimedes, <laughs> the bathtub thing, we can get behind, but I'm not sure about the lever thing. Like, right. okay. I get that the displacement in the, of water thing, like I, I give you two yeah. thumbs up for that, but the lever moving the world thing, come on. No, that does not, not, that, not, that does not hold water. Oh, oh, ouch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. 
the spoons, the spoons are back out. People are once again gouging their eyes. Two bad puns in a row, and now yes, and we, from both of us. But okay, have, so we're starting to become those progressive commercials where it's like yes. you becoming your parents. Yeah, like I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can tell me what this is. Scotch egg, meatball. That's a good one. Oh, uh, that is a good yeah. one. Well, I think the other you you I think you put out like something important here is that it's also <laughs> now come and try to bring some someone all that nonsense there back was. to the show. Um, is is the is the questioning, you know, the the questions and like the types of questions that yeah. we uh, bring to bear in our classrooms. I mean, mm-hmm. if there, you know, we don't want you know these kind of closed questions, the ones that are fact based. We mm-hmm. want to have these, you know, as you describe them, generative questions, the ones that are generating curiosity, generating, you know, some sort of thing from the students where they're saying, well, okay, like. That I think it positions the students, uh, just like us positioning us in the classroom, it positions the students differently whenever they're asking a question that leads to action or leads to like solutions or leads to them, you know, not just thinking, but also preparing or designing or coming up with some way to solve it, I think is the way we want to, you know, drive our classrooms Mm -hmm. rather than it being like, okay, you know, here, you know, what what is this or what is i always like you know i always try to you know do how questions how's are how's are great questions you know how does yeah. how does this work or or why questions you know? why questions yeah because those are like the ones that are i think are the ones that you can really sink your teeth into you know the the what and the does are like those questions are like yeah. i think what's are okay does or is yeah it's pretty yeah, yeah. but you know but what's, usually what can what can be those are what, what, uh, that's right they're they're a little sometimes yeah how and why and sometimes what yep how and why and sometimes what but even if you're asking a what question the the purpose of the what question should be to get to a why or a how right so even if you're asking that kind of question you want to push into um into those but i think to to, to jump up a level just for a second because we do talk about teacher preparation too i mean i think this is an underutilized piece of um teacher education you know we talk about teacher inquiry and wonderings um i think there's there's more opportunity for us to do more of that like i think about even my my methods course that i teach this coming fall i um you know, we, you can orient your pre-service teachers in the same way. Like, what are your wonderings about science teaching and how can we investigate them instead of, instead of giving them the answers, like in the same way that we do in science classrooms, start with their wonderings. Like, what is it that you're wondering about? And, uh, and I just read a really nice paper by, um, Melissa Bratton, who's at the university of Colorado, who's one of the ambitious science teaching people. Um, and we'll call her friend, the show, um, but but she uh, she wrote this really interesting paper about the use of critical friends groups in pre-service teacher education around wonderings and how that structuring and and th- there was some more detail to it than just critical friends groups, um, but how that structuring helps pre-service teachers really hone and and um, improve not only their questions, but the sort of assertions that they were making about the questions they were asking about, about teacher learning, about their own learning, about their own teaching. Um, and it's a really interesting paper, but this idea of like, um, you know, my pre-service teachers, I'm, I'm guessing yours too. Like when they first come in, the kinds of questions that they're, that they're asking are not 
particularly interesting questions, right? But that doesn't mean we have to stop there. We just have to help them think about developing, you know, deeper, more interesting questions. And part of the way that happens is through their own probing and pressing and, um, and thinking their own perplexity, but, you know, they often come in like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I do classroom management? Right. How do I, how do I, um, you know, keep kids on task, um, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, those aren't, those aren't the kinds of questions that are, you know, going back to that word generative, that's not going to help you really dig deep into practice. It's not going to, it's not a problem of practice. That's going to be powerful and generative for you improving your own teaching. It's going to sort of, you know, just be, Oh, it's, 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 it's kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like the question of like, okay, how can I improve students test scores? Okay. If that's your question, we know how to do that. Right. We know how to improve. Like, yeah, we know how to do it. Like, it's just that the question is that the, the problem you want to solve and are you, you know, getting at, you know, your core values when you do it, like you want to get students test scores to improve, just do a lot of practice tests, lots and lots of practice tests with be what well, lots of feedback. And so turn your class into a test taking machine. And yes. then students are going to do great on the test. They're going to hate learning. They're going to hate your subject area, but they're going to, they're going to hate you <laughs> rock and roll. They're going to do great on that assessment, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, but, but that's what some schools do. And sure. if you, if classroom management is, if you're focusing on classroom management as the problem, we know how to do that. Like there are lots of ways to, you know, control your classroom. We had an episode about this, mm-hmm. how much we hate that term. Yeah. Um, but the, it comes back to your core values is if you want to control students' behaviors by being like this, you know, dictator in the classroom, the person who doesn't smile until December and, you know, has these processes and procedures that are regimented in your classroom. Yeah, you can have and then send, you know, have all kinds of demerits and you know, clip up mm. and clip down and all that. There are yeah. lots of, and use the class dojo to send home like Ooh, feedback. Dojo, yeah. I know these are technology. like, right. Right. I know. Look, I'm integrating <laughs> technology in my classroom. Boom. You know, Boom. but if you, if we do all of that, right. That's, that's going to have a positive impact on classroom management, but there are other ways too, that are probably going to be a little bit closer to your core values that might be changing your classroom from a teacher centered environment mm-hmm. to one that is involving the students more in the learning process through curiosity and through wonder that is more, you know, I mean, that's, but that's a different question. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, on some level, all of these things that are interconnected and they're interconnected because fundamentally what we talk about and the way we think about science teaching is a a transfer of agency from ourselves to the students, right? You're moving epistemic, specifically epistemic agency, which is how they think about knowing science or how they think about the tools of knowing science um, and who has control of them and decides which are valuable, right? But agency in general, right? That A lot of our, our school systems are designed to pull agency away from kids, to, to control them, to manage them. Um, and that, that isn't what we're trying to accomplish here. What we're trying to accomplish here is a, is a transition of agency to the kids so that your job is to, you know, it's an overused word, but facilitate their, their work, their thinking, their understanding, not to transfer your understanding to them. So 
but that happens only when they have agency, when they feel they have a sense of control or, or uh, purpose, right? That, and that's, that goes back to wondering, like if they're wondering, then they have their own purpose. They have have an internal motivation to answer these questions that isn't about like, they're going to get three points taken off or they're going to, you know, have their sheep moved away from, well, that's a different story, but like, yeah. So yeah. there, that there's some classroom management technique where you're going to, this is how you're going to solve the the problem of getting the kid to be motivated because you're going to punish them if they're not. Right. Yeah. Epistemic agency. Yeah. That's a good I one. love that. I love that phrase. I just do. That's one of those ones that like, yeah. you know, I can just like put on my tongue and let melt, you know, I just like, um, yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah. it's, it's that way. I mean, cause that's really, it gets at the heart of, you know, what we promote as, as, as teacher educators. Yeah. What we hope for. Yeah. Yeah. Is trying to, you know, have that be fostered in our students and, and yeah. And so much of that really is how the teacher positions himself in the classroom and the type of role that they take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good transition to sort of wrap this one up and, and talk a little bit about our, our joys. Yes. Joys. Yeah. Yeah. So joys, do you, do you want to start? No, I think you should start because you, you've just had a, a joyful packed uh, couple of days. So I'm sure you have lots of joy to share. I do have so many joys to share, but I, I'm just gonna, I, I know, I know last week I shared a, a Marvel thing with the TV show, but mm, I did go out mm, this weekend and watched, mm. I did go see uh Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. And um, I want to be frank that I, I see other movies besides Marvel movies. I uh-huh. have. Sure you do. You know, like, I do. Yeah, I do. Sure, of course you do. I've recommended other things. Yeah, sure, sure you, you know? I went, It was just a few weeks ago I recommended the Julia movie. Yeah. Come on. It's okay. Uh, it's okay, Ellie. You don't have right. to defend your choices. You just go ahead and talk about Marvel. This is great. It is great. Wow. Great. It is. Uh, I will say if you're not a big Marvel fan, there's probably going to be some parts where you get lost because it does connect into you've had to have seen uh, maybe WandaVision, which was out last year. Um, and that ca- that leads a little bit into the story because it kind of, you know, gives you a different, you know, uh, sort of like position for where, you know, Wanda Maximoff, who's the Scarlet Witch, where she is mm-hmm. in the story because mm-hmm. she had she had her own trajectory in that, you know that series where she comes out of that kind of beaten up a little bit. And I think that sets the tone for where things are in this, but there's a lot, there's a lot to like in the show. And there's at least one point where uh, I went, no way, no way that just didn't happen. No, (laughs) you know, and, and then, you know, it's, yeah, I don't want to say too much because I want to spoil anything. No spoilers. If you're a fan of Marvel, if you're an old school fan of Marvel, if you're like one of those uh, people who before the Marvel Universe became a thing was watching on Saturday mornings, you know, whatever was on TV, you know, you're going to love this. You're going to love this because there's a little there's a couple of little things that happen where you're just like, that is awesome. And that. And, and if you read comic books and you're like deep into the comic book world, there's some, some parts in there that you're just like loving, you know, some, yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, I would say if you saw Spider-Man No Way Home, it's, that's a better movie 
Mm -hmm. I think a better, more complete movie. It's certainly more fun. This is dark. And this is one with you have like young kids, you know, be careful because there's like some scary parts. It's a scary movie Mm. um, at times. And I think that's Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi does some scary things. You know, he did the Evil Dead movies that the start Mm -hmm. of his career. And so uh, he's somebody who, you know, takes some liberties with that. And and there and I think this is probably the most he could probably push it for a PG-13 movie. So if you're taking your six year old to this, be prepared to, you know, have some nightmares because there's going to be some nightmares, you know, <laughs> or just don't take your six year old to this. That's that's, that's, that's my advice. Yeah, there are there are some movies you should take. your. That's why it's PG-13. Don't take your six year old. That, that's uh, why it's rated that way. Uh, yeah, don't, absolutely. Don't get scared. So it is it is great. Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome. You know, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is awesome. There's some other po- people who show up who are also um, awesome. some some briefly, some briefly, some couple briefly people. cameos. Yeah. Little Just cameos, yeah. yes. I won't. I won't say who. No, you're some, not going to say. I'm not going to say. No. What one I think was was kind of in the trailer. Like there was a trailer where you kind of go, oh, is that that his voice? Probably, but probably, um, probably pro- was his voice. Pro- probably, but then there's a couple people you're not expecting at all. All right. Well, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects that. Yeah. Nice. I liked what you did there. All right, now you're going to go you. something like some esoteric book that you're reading about. No. Like, uh, I am not going to go with an esoteric book I'm reading. Actually, so I will say my joy this week is something that nobody really can share uh, directly anyway. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it anyway because I don't really care because this is my podcast. Well, it's our podcast. <laughs> it's our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I have at least 50% ownership. So... Um, so what I'm going to say is one of my joys this week was Lemoncello. And ah. my, my Lemoncello joy was, was facilitated directly by, by Dr. Dreon, who, yes. um, who had a little uh, Lemoncello tasting. And we got to, to taste some of his a varietal of homemade Lemoncello. So if, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> my personal favorite, the Lavender uh, Lemoncello, one out for me. But, uh, but I would strongly recommend uh, if you haven't had Lemoncello in a while, you know, you can't get, you can't get the Dr. Dre on special, but you can, you can go and, uh, and buy Lemoncello in a store and, you know, have a little, uh, you know, in a, in a glass and, uh, you know, friend of the show, uh, Leslie recommends, uh, recommends maybe a little sparkling water with yeah, lemon a little seltzer, yeah. over a little seltzer over ice. You know, you can have different kinds of seltzer, whatever, whatever floats your boat there. But, um, but yes, I would say, uh, that's awesome. That, that was really nice this week. So I, I appreciate hey. that. That was, uh, that was my joy. I I've said in the other episodes, I like to make things. I like to make, you know, ice cream and I've been working with lemoncello for years and, uh, I've, I've, I discovered a new process and it makes it uh, less right. It, it's, it involves a sous vide. And so, oh, that's right. You were telling me about this, right? Yeah. And so uh, it cuts the time down a lot. So usually when I used to do it, it would take months and now we're talking hours and the quality is still the same. And then I can try different things. I can make some micro batches and try them. So that's what I was doing. I was trying different recipes. I did one with rosemary, one with lavender. Mm -hmm. I did one with citrus and I'm trying to practice some, you know, different things. And uh, if there's an Italy near you, if you're ever like in a you know a town oh, yeah, like sure. Chicago or Philadelphia, there's some Italy's, you know, go to an Italy because they have tons of different varieties of lemoncellos. Locally, we can only just get like a handful of ones, but they're really nice aperitifs. Like after you're done with yeah. the dinner, it's just yeah. have a little, yeah, you know, a little, little yeah. 
Is that is that the aperitif or the digestif? The digestif is after. Uh, and there's aperitif. Is it aperitif? I think it's aperitif. Well, Maybe I, guess, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to. Uh, yeah. So know, there, there are put different. Put a pin in that. And put a pin. I'll, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to look in the big book of you know, bartending. Of answers. I'll look it up on Google later. Uh, well, have, have Alexa pronounce it for me. Sure. That oh, I great. shouldn't have said that into the podcast because then somebody's, someone's it activated somebody's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should do that. Live it. Hopefully they're listening on headphones and that won't be a problem. Well, hey, it, what a fun. This was a wonderful episode. Oh, yes, it was. I'm so curious how this was going to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's we stuck. We stuck we're, we're not, not going to bring this to closure. We're just going to no. say. See you next time. In between. Bye now.